So, was he the oldest? Yeah, he's the oldest, and he was born in November in 47. Billy was born in November in 48. I was born in July in 51. Jimmy was born in January, I think, in 54, because his name is James Marion. Marion was the Marion year, and every child that was born that year was called Marion. Then Aidan, he's living in America. He was born in 59. And Stephen was born in 66. So five boys, and I was kind of in the middle. I mean, I guess I'm wondering what Noel was like as a child. Violent. Violent. Um, my mum and dad, uh, they had a car, but they also had a motorbike. Uh, he had a Triumph 350. And they both of them used to love to get on the bike and they'd go down to Crosshaven or my dad, fabulous singer. And, you know, at the time, it was a big thing when you go to the pubs, that you'd go in and you'd see all the cups and stuff up on the shelf and you'd be asked to sing and, and you'd go into a bit of a competition and he'd come home with this cup that he'd be after when be delighted, you know. And um, years later, I did it with him, you know, to different places they went. But he used to babysit. And I remember my mother would uh, go get one of us to go to the shop and she'd buy things like uh, maybe a crunchy bar or a packet of Rolos or the pastilles or all these and you'd get your choice. And I remember this particular evening in particular, Billy was there. Him, Billy and I were in the lounge and he hit me in the back and he said, get over to the shop. You see, there was never a thing of, would you go to the shop for me? Never anything like that. Get over to the shop. He wanted, you could buy cigarettes that time, one at a time if you wished. And I said, no, I'm not allowed. And I wasn't allowed. I was caught by the shoulders and pulled up like that off the couch and he up with his knee and gave me the knee right in here to the stomach. And I remember... Billy grabbed him because he went to hit me again and Billy grabbed him and pulled him off me. But I couldn't get up. And I think I was about maybe 11 or 12 at the time. I, w- I was in intense pain. He went to attack me again. I remember Billy went to the poker in front of the fire and Billy lifted it up and he said, touch her and I'll, I'll have you. But I couldn't get up off the ground. I was still on my knees across the seat of the couch to try and get relief because Billy got me too anodyne that evening. And I was still there when my mum and dad came in and there was murder, of course, when my mum and dad came in. They saw the condition of me. But he was very heavily reprimanded for that. But I was learning at that time to be nowhere near him No Long is 74 years old. He has an entire lifetime of violence and chaos behind him. And as Juliana, his sister, has told us, it started young. But it wasn't just aggression with Long. There was something more sinister than that going on. His violence often went hand in hand with a sexual perversion that was evident even in his very early childhood. 
Nora Sheehan was a victim of that terrible combination. And we found many other women who experienced it too. Juliana was probably the first. It would have been before my communion. I was six and ten months when I made my communion. And just before my communion, I recall him coming into my bedroom. I was asleep and I remember him under my bedclothes, groping under my bedclothes. And I remember waking up and I remember shooting backwards into the corner of my bedroom where the wall, you know. And he did that several times over a period of time. He never, we'll say, succeeded in doing anything to me. But there was one particular time I got the courage to say to him, don't touch me, I'll tell my daddy. Straight away, he put up his hands. No, 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 don't do that, don't do that, don't do that. Shh, 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 shh. Can't do that, can't do that. He went into complete panic. And I remember then feeling I had a little bit of power here. I learned I had that little bit of authority because of my dad. Because being the only girl, I was, I was the pet. And I knew I didn't have to explain anything to my dad. If I told my dad he did it, my father would have killed him. He knew that. He, he wouldn't have survived. You're listening to Beast, the murder of Nora Sheehan, a crime world podcast. This is episode two. Why didn't you tell? I think I was torn between how it would hurt my mum and dad and what trouble it would cause. And I was aware I didn't want that. Mm. I, I was kind of feeling, I suppose, that because he had stopped, I could kind of keep it that way. And um, was he violent with your brothers? Yeah, he would have, like, if they had whatever toys that they had, if he wanted it, he took it. Or if he didn't take it, he danced on it. If I can't have it, you won't have it. And I remember my mum and dad getting him a speed bike when they were new, like we had secondhand bikes. But he always got really good stuff. It's like He was the oldest though, wasn't he? He was, but it's like, I think too, they, they were like, trying to let him know that they did love him and that they had his best interests at heart. And if he, you know, pulled his finger out really like and behaved himself, that there would be bonuses for him along the way. They, they did genuinely try and they did take him to Nicola to loads of doctors. Mm. My mother did take him to psychiatrists. And what age do you think? Oh, from, from when he was quite young when he was quite young because it would have come through the school he would have been disruptive you know in the school and they would have said well he has to be looked at you know I don't know would anybody now uh, be treating their son in in that way as as my mother did you know we're a bit more educated how how to do these things. But she didn't do it out of malice, you know. She she thought she was doing the right thing 
but the destruction of her actions really, you know, is played out on all of us all down through the years. It kind of spin, there was a spin-off, but he was a very volatile person and he would have, he would have ruled the roost to uh, an extent in the house. Yeah, he had an awful temper. He really had an awful temper and he was used to getting his own way. He would have been better off to be an only child. He wasn't capable, they said, of being in a family where, you know, there was younger siblings. Pressure being put on him, you're the oldest. Uh, However you behave is how the others will follow. That kind of conversation I do, I do remember. But I don't remember him ever having any great love or affection for us as his siblings. He was a loner. So as he got older, kind of, and bigger, I presume, and stronger, did the violence and the threats towards the siblings and the family intensify? And what did, yeah. It did. The one thing you couldn't tell him was no. He would not accept that. If he wanted something, he wanted it. And regardless of what you said, it made no difference. He had his mind made up that he wanted what it was. He was going to have it. He never, to my way of thinking, had a conscience about what belonged to you. If you had it, he took it. He had no conscience about that. It it just... He was different to the rest of us. The rest of us had empathy with each other and we involved each other in our lives. But he didn't. There was consequences when you did say no. Oh, yes. Always was. And you knew it. You knew it. But you did. You defied him all your life. I knew right from wrong. And I remember he attacked a woman who came out of the nuke bar in Yall. I was only married a short time. I married in 71 and we lived for six or eight months at the, the house. It was called Dalmoroy out at, at Summerfield Cross. And we had to give that up then because it was being let for the summer. And we got a flat inside an Eglinton Terrace in Yall. So that would have been 72. In that period of two to three years, he was in Yall and he was driving Billy's car. And he attacked that girl when she came out of the new bar and she was going up. He attempted to rape her. Whether he did or not, I'm not too sure. But there was a Garda chase involved and he drove the car down steps coming down into Yall. Between the jigs and the reels he was arrested and he turned around and he told him I was in my sister's house and that's the flat I had then in Eglinton Terrace. Not knowing about this a few days later I get a knock on the door and it's detectives and they're saying to me, you have a brother, no long. I said, yes, I do. 
was he here such and such a night? I said, no. I thought it would have been a Saturday night. I said, no. Um, is your husband here? No. I said, he was out playing music that particular night. He worked in the all carpets at the time, but he was also a musician. Was I aware of this event happening? I said, somebody had told me that something happened, but I didn't know what the story was. I mean, I was a young mother at the time with a small baby, you know, and I wasn't into what was going on around the streets. So he said, you're telling me he was not in your house. He didn't call to the house. He wasn't in the house. He didn't have a cup of tea. No, he was not. I was not aware he was even in y'all. So that went against me where he was concerned. And I discussed it with my dad. And I said to my dad, I'm going to be in real trouble with him. I said, if I am on my own, I said, he's going to punch me out. I said over this. Now, he did attack me over it and said, in future, if I say such and such a thing, you'll agree. And I said, I won't. I won't. Because I said, if you're going to go out doing things that are illegal or against the law or whatever, I'm not going to give you an alibi and back you up. I said, I can't do that. I just can't do it. And I won't do it. So the best thing you can do, I said, is stay out of your. I said, that's my advice to you. You can't, I said, attack women and turn around and expect me, I said, to say that you were sitting in my house drinking tea. It's not going to happen. And so as the years were going on, our relationship was going down the swanny. But he was realizing she's not a pushover anymore. We've managed to put together a long list of women that no long has attacked over the years. The records are there. Charges, court appearances, suspended sentences. Juliana can point to others, many that never made it as far as a courtroom. There are young women, old women, even a girl with intellectual disabilities. The attacks happen in his car, in the woods or in his home. But despite the variety of these cases and despite the years that separate them, there's a pattern. They all have one thing in common. He will only access vulnerable people. That he is such a cowardly bastard. He wouldn't take on somebody who is able to defend themselves. He wouldn't. He he wouldn't have the balls to do that. But if you're like my mother, old in a wheelchair and frail, or God be merciful to our soul, no Rashian, that he could manipulate, because that's what he is, he is a manipulator, then he's on the ball. But going after somebody who, and this woman in Yall would have had drink on her, again, a vulnerability. He's looking for the vulnerable all the time. He got a hold of it. Another woman, um, a hitchhiker outside of Mitchellstown, picked her up and attacked her. And again, walked away with a suspended sentence for that. But I mean, he transitions from this bully within the household and all of a sudden you're 18, he's 22 and he's grabbing women from outside pubs like... When did that start coming in, his fantasies or whatever we'd call them about women? 
I'd say he was always interested in the in the women aspect of things, but he was more clever in what he was doing. He was hot stuff at that time. He very good looking, very up to the fashion in what he was wearing. You know, the, the winkle toe boots, the beetle boots and the drain pipe pants and the jackets with the different color collar on it. You know, that kind of thing. Very snazzy, always in his dress. Um, so he would have been well known into jiving in a huge way. He had a girlfriend at the time, a lovely girl, actually, by the name of Anne Deneen. She had a fantastic escape, I'll tell you that for nothing. I remember he brought Anne Deneen home and he was a perfect gentleman with her. Perfect gentleman. Now, he would go and take a chair and pull it out for her at the table and put it back in when she was sitting on it and get her whatever she wanted. He was attentive to her. I never saw him being attentive like that to Antoinette. He felt Antoinette had trapped him. And that was obvious, not alone to me, but to other people as well. He had no respect for her whatsoever. None. Had he had respect for her, he wouldn't have been doing what he was doing while he was married to her. But I remember meeting her in the stardust and she said to me, I will have him one way or the other. Himself and Antoinette, they used to go to these you know, these dress-up parties where you, you dressed up the tramp's ball. They used to win that, would you believe it? They would actually go into the city hall with thousands of people and because of the way they would... Like, Antoinette would come to my mother and she would say to her mother, I want to wear such and such and such, and she would get him dressed as well. And, you know, really and truly, they look, they'd look fantastic. But they'd go in and they'd be chosen. You should see the two of them on the floor, jiving. I'm not kidding you. I mean, he would take her up over his shoulder, around his neck and under his legs and this kind. I mean, he was able to do what he liked with her, really, in that respect. He was upstairs this particular Friday night. I was coming down the stairs and knock at the door and it was Antoinette at the door. Is your mum and dad in? Yes, I said, they are. Come on in. That was the night she went in to tell my mum and dad she was pregnant. My dad called him down into the living room and my mother told him there and then, you're getting married. That's the way it was done then? Yeah. What age was he? For 71. My 23. Yeah. My dad's mother got very ill and collapsed and she died the very end of January and the, the funeral went, I think, to the 1st of February and he was married on the 4th of February. Now the wedding was held at our house. My dad went over and said to Mr. and Mrs. Nugent, please do not allow this wedding to go ahead because it's going to be a farce. You don't have to worry about the nipper which is how my dad would describe the child, because I will make sure that child will never want. But please, I'm begging you, he said, do not allow it to go ahead. And they went and left it go ahead. And why did your father do that? He knew. He knew in his heart and soul. My mother, my dad told me himself, my mother had no right to force him into a marriage. 
and he was told by my mother, you're getting married, end of story. And she went ahead and she arranged the wedding breakfast, the whole shebang. And you wouldn't get in a hotel what happened that day. Everything and anything you could ask in a wedding is what was produced that day. And did your mother, do you think, see this as being the taming of him? She thought, I suppose, that having a child would bring him responsibility, you know, and that he'd get his act together, she thinks, she thought, yeah. And your father knew that this oh, no. girl was going to have an no, awful life? Oh, my dad knew that was a mistake. Oh, he knew that was a mistake. He knew. And within a couple of years, he's out grabbing a woman he's, out of a pub, trying to rape her. Oh, yeah. Within 10 years, I mean, he has two children and he's out killing Mrs. Shane while he's married to Antoinette. I mean, he must have had a reputation. Y'all is a small um, enough place. He had a reputation, I think, more for theft, for stealing cars. as a hardy boy kind of thing. Um, not being afraid of the law at all. One of the things I remember him doing when he was younger was the circus came to town and he spent the whole day going around turning the circus signs the other way. So it's that if you came looking to the go to the circus you weren't going to go to the circus because it wasn't pointing where it should be pointing stealing cars breaking an entry that kind of thing being violent to people if you disagreed with him in any way at all you got headbutted one thing I must say to you that is very important what people don't realise he is a trained killer you're looking at me with your eyes open he spent a long time in the Royal Irish Rangers and he was trained up in Northern Ireland and he was the army's best shot at that time he was an, a major cadet. He was one of their best cadets. And he knows how to kill because they are trained in that capacity. This is why it's not a surprise to me that he would attempt to kill my mother or my father or succeed in killing Mrs. Sheehan. It's, it's no surprise to me whatsoever because of that violence that's in him. Because he'd be, you know, the Marines in America, he was kind of trained in that way. But he screwed up badly. He was told, ordered, to stand guard outside the colonel's home. And on a dare, I believe, he climbed the wall of the building and went in to the bedroom of the colonel's daughter. This was on all the papers, all of them. Sunday world, daily world, every world you want to know. And he was captured because of a thumbprint on the window, the windowsill. He didn't touch her, he didn't rape her, he didn't attack her, but he went up there and he went in. He was captured and he was taken into the prison of the army asked to go to the bathroom 
and he went through the ceiling, through the, the ducts, and climbed through and escaped. And there was a police hunt all over England for him. He was known to have a beetle moustache, armed and dangerous. Do not approach him. Now, I'm going back a long time ago. So you're talking about a very, very violent person to be classed as armed and dangerous. And what age was he then, about 18? Just about, yeah. Yeah, I certainly wasn't married then. So he would have either finished school or left early and gone into that? Oh, he would have left early, yeah. Yeah. He hated school. And again, was he encouraged into that by her parents? They think that no. would tame him or no. did he choose it? I think he left. I think he was in the army before they knew it. I don't even think they knew he was in England at that time. I do know that at one point he went over to High Wycombe and he stayed with my auntie Edie. That would be my mother's younger sister. But Uncle Peter asked him to leave. See, Uncle Peter was the opposite to our family. He had five girls and one boy. We had five boys and one girl. Uncle Peter didn't want Uncle Peter was Polish. Uncle Peter took one look at him and thought, I don't want that boy under my roof. So when this all came out and that this guy was on the run and everything, did he eventually just land back in Yall? No, he did prison. He did prison for that? He did prison for that. So where did they find him? Where did they catch him? They caught him somewhere. I don't know where. The Moors or something like that. They caught him. He was living roughly. Right. So I don't know how long it took to capture him. And I remember a doctor being brought to the house and my mother being sedated. She, she, could, she was just screaming. Screaming at my dad, saying that they were going to shoot him like a dog. They were going to run him down and shoot him like a dog. And um, so he did bring in the doctor and they did, they did sedate her. But um, my dad then wouldn't allow her to see the papers. There was a big write-up on some paper. <laughs> I remember her calling me mm-hmm. and she said, take that back over, she said, to the shop. They're after selling a newspaper, she said, and this page is missing out of it. And I, I did, I took it over, I had to do what I was told. But what I didn't know was my dad was after seeing the article and taking the, the page out and when she was reading the paper, of course, the pages were missing. And I don't know where my dad was, but I had to go over. And I remember your man over in the shop looking at me because he had read the paper. So he knew. Mm. And he handed me back the paper and he said, go back and tell your mother. He said that that paper was complete, like when they sold it to, to us. But uh, he didn't say anything about the pages being missing or yeah. somebody would have taken them out. But uh, she she was very pissed off about that, that the, the page is missing out of the paper. But I do know that my dad had taken the, the pages out. When Nora Sheehan's body was discovered in Shippool Woods in June 1981, Gardy were already very familiar with No Long's history of sexual violence. He immediately became a suspect. And while his family were also all too familiar with Long's behaviour, They weren't at all prepared for what came next. Do you remember at the time 
that do you remember around the time that it happened and the time that he was arrested? I do, vividly. Yeah, I do. I remember my mother called me. She rang me. I was just in the house. She said we are in deep trouble. And I said, "What are you talking about?" She said, "Your brother's been arrested." And I said, "Ah, ma'am." I said, "What's he up to now?" And she said, "You won't believe it." She said, "He's up for the murder." She said, "Of a woman." You've been listening to Beast, the murder of Nora Sheehan, a Crime World podcast presented by me, Nicola Talent, and produced by Ian Mullaney and Clodamini. This podcast is part of the ACAST Creator Network. <laughs>